Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Lauren. Our pronouns are she, her. This is D-Myth Turns the Page. Our special episodes where we sharpen our steaks. We plant some garlic. And we learn from Katie Birchall how not to be a vampire slayer. So hi, Katie, and happy Spooktober. We are so thrilled that you could join us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you please tell them all about yourself? Um, of course. So um, I uh, am very lucky to be a full-time author. I always wanted to be a writer when I was little. I think my mum still has these like really embarrassing um newspapers that I put together called the virtual times um and I would like write newspaper articles about things that went on in our household um and then uh studied English at uni and ended up uh being a journalist which I loved and I still do some uh freelance writing now um but around the sort of day job I was writing my first children's novel and like getting up really early in the mornings and like writing late into the night because that's just really what I wanted to do was write middle grade and YA um and ended up I think my first book was published in 2015 um and yeah it's gone on from there I've been really lucky to sort of write lots of different genres now um I've gone into women's commercial fiction as well um so yeah I'm very lucky I absolutely love my job (laughs) I get to write every day what kind of books do you like to read? I kind of like to read um, everything. I have, I, I really love, I read a lot of um, middle grade because of course I like to read um, the sort of market I'm writing for. But I also read a lot of rom-coms. Um, but I, so I'd say like my main thing is probably comedy fiction. I just love any sort of funny books. But yeah, so a, a real wide range. I also love a murder mystery. Um, the Lucy Foley books at the moment have become my new obsession. So yeah, a really a really wide range of books, I would say, is my favourite. This book was my perfect kind of Halloween book. I said to you before we started, I do not do horror or anything scary so this was perfectly spooky you've got some monsters you know you've got the supernatural but it's not out and out shock and 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 scare and I liked that it's spooky not scary but do you have anything that you like to do for the spooky season to get you in the mood do you like scary I am so big on Halloween. I absolutely love this season. I just love autumn. Um, But I really, yeah, I really go big on Halloween. I've always gone big on Halloween. So I'm big on, our house is always decorated big time. Um, I put everything in the windows. I have like this giant inflatable pumpkin that I put outside the house and I get like bags ready for trick-or-treaters. I just absolutely love it. Um, but I also hate horror movies, but only because I think, I, I don't know whether that's because when you have like, a, you know, a big imagination, you really like, I get such bad nightmares if I watch any horror movies. So as you say, <laughs> I kind of wrote something that I would like, which is like, Spooky, but also fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I do. I do love 
Halloween and I'm this is my favorite time of year I'm very excited um so I knew I wanted to write a sort of book well a few books that kind of celebrated that spooky side of things but also that I would be able to read without getting nightmares (laughs) there's so much like cute Halloweeny type stuff out there though like there's obviously the new Hocus Pocus has come out but like the Hotel Transylvania films that are really good and really perfect for the season but they're not scary so yeah there's there's a way for everyone to enjoy it Oh, definitely. And I, I think with books as well, um, Amelia Fang, the Amelia Fang series is really good and things like that. So, yeah, there's you can you can still enjoy um, sort of spooky stuff with it without it being absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I'm also so basic. I'm like pumpkin spice for life. This is as soon as pumpkin spice is in Starbucks. I'm so happy. Oh, Definitely. That's like one of the best bits about the season is all those different like cinnamon um, lattes and things like that. Delicious. Yeah. I'm all over those. And and cozy jumpers. Cozy jumpers, hot chocolate with marshmallows, like fireplace and, and pumpkin carving. I'm so bad at pumpkin carving. I'm genuinely terrible at it, but I try every year. I always try and do a dog. Um and it always just looks so bad. I feel like I need to like go more traditional because I think that might be a bit easier. But every year I attempt a sort of dog. <laughs> Last year I went to York a little bit after Halloween and the place I was staying in with my partner was near a school. And when we walked past the school, this was maybe not quite two weeks after Halloween. And they had all of these pumpkins outside that were just kind of rotting and it looked so creepy. This like army of rotting pumpkins. Like, oh, don't get too close to the scary pumpkin. Yeah, that is the uh, that is the downside to pumpkin carving is the clearing up afterwards. You can't leave them outside to rot. I have never carved a pumpkin. <laughs> what? So I don't know how hard it is, but I can't imagine it'd be easy. They're quite they're quite thick, so I can't imagine mm, it'd be easy. Yeah. It it's the scooping out bit which is the hard work at the beginning. That's the like the really difficult bit is at the beginning you have to like scoop everything out and that's just really long and boring. Um, but after that it's quite easy. Oh, uh, the speak for yourself, not in my experiences of carving them. <laughs> well, I say easy as in it's easy to sort of like shove the knife in and kind of <laughs> create something. But it always I mean, as I say, mine are literally so bad. And also what's really annoying is I have a friend who comes over and does it with me. Um, and she's just super artistic and it's really annoying because hers are always like she's such a perfectionist as well so she she takes ages doing it it's always so beautiful and mine just looks rubbish next to hers but anyway (laughs) it's still fun (laughs) can we talk about how cute both of these covers are they're so sweet (laughs) oh they they are so lovely aren't they I actually think I prefer the second the Vampire Slayer's Survival Guide. The red is really cool. I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't, I quite like the ketchup bottle on the first one. But I do like, I like the the bats with the, with the gold kind of, you know, is that where they've been flying, I guess? The gold little bits on the second one. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the gold, I, I love a bit of gold foil on a book cover. I mean, they went in with the gold foil. 
They did, didn't they? <laughs> Were they designed by the same person? I think it says yeah. here, Jane Pika. Yeah, that's right. And also the wonderful Amy um, at Scholastic, um, who's the designer there. Uh, so yeah, they they were both designed, I think, by Jane. They're so talented, you know. Again, this is so. One of the things I always, I really wish I could draw. I I just have so much admiration for authors who like illustrate their own work. I think it's so wonderful. I would never attempt to do it because I, as you may have been able to tell from my pumpkin carving (laughs) I am not an artistic person um but honestly when they send these covers through and it's like wow it's just incredible how they sort of read the story and then they come up with these sort of beautiful cover designs I really am in awe of the people who do that it's it's beautiful so yeah no I feel very lucky to have such gorgeous covers and the red I think is really striking and they complement each other as well you can have them next to each other yeah absolutely these aren't your first two books. So what made you go from your previous books to vampires? What was the link? Was there a link? Um, there was a sort of link in that um, I'd just written my Teen Witch series, um, which was so Morgan Charmley, Teen Witch. I'd written um, books one and two of that. And they had come out sort of for Halloween And it just felt like a bit of a natural step to continue um, bringing out a book for next, like the next autumn as well. And I, and I, as I've said, I I really love this season and the spookiness of it all. So I wanted to sort of continue on that line. Um, And I think I started writing the first vampire book at the beginning of the first lockdown and I just really wanted to write something very fun and happy and silly. Um, and so, yeah, the vampire thing kind of came into my head um, after after exploring, having a fun time writing about the adventures of a witch. I thought it'd be fun, <laughs> fun to move into the vampire side of things. So there was a bit of a link to that continuing on the sort of spooky line. A fantastic story of unlikely friendship. Maggie Helsby isn't afraid of spooky legend and she's willing to prove it. But when she agrees to a dare to venture into the forest, she doesn't expect to find. One, a creepy castle enchanted against humans. Two, a vegetarian vampire who wants to be her friend. Three, an ancient book naming her as the latest of the Helsby Slayers. Can Maggie persuade her family, her new human friends and the greedy Mayo Cauliflower that their nocturnal neighbours need protecting just as much as they do? Or will her neck be on the line? So the first one, how not to be a vampire slayer. What a creepy way to open a book because those first three pages are hella creepy (laughs) and quite mysterious as well. Yeah, I love a prologue. I've started writing them more now you know like the opening of a book has to really grab the reader um and I I actually wrote the prologue at the end of the book which is not like me at all I, I usually write um very much everything in order I know a lot of writers sort of um don't necessarily do that but I I do write in order um but I had 
written the book and, and the first bit is really concentrating on Maggie moving to a new place um, and sort of finding her her way at this new school and navigating that. And I sort of realised that it took a while to get the audience into the spooky side of things. So that's why I decided to write a prologue um, that was <laughs> mysterious and spooky so that the audience knew, the readers know, that there is sort of uh, something going on behind the scenes there. So yeah, that's why that's why I decided to write something quite a spooky to grab you first thing. I mean, I I was definitely grabbed. That's for <laughs> sure. And we get the impression that it's quite unusual that a young girl of Maggie's age would clock that there was a vampire there. And he seems quite surprised that she's looking in his direction. Is that a, is that a pretty accurate assumption to make? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I I did want that to come across quite early on that um, usually a vampire slayer would probably be a bit older or you would assume they would be a bit older. Um, But then there's also the kind of side of it where I like the idea of there is something special about this girl and in the prologue, um, I wanted it to be clear, and and in chapter one as well, um, that there is something going on behind the scenes with her and her sort of magical powers, without giving too much away. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. That That is certainly what you're supposed to pick up on. So I'm glad. <laughs> is this showing our age? Because at the beginning, her parents had, you know, they give her reasons to stay out of the woods. And... We both were like, just listen to your parents. Just just listen. <laughs> just stay out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's um I I guess at that age it's really easy not to listen to your parents. <laughs> um but yeah, you you do sort of get the sense that um well it's it's so obvious she should not go in these woods. Like it's it can be more blindingly obvious. <laughs> she should steer clear. Um, but you know, she's never been afraid. She's she's just fearless, um, which we come to learn. And this isn't a spoiler, because obviously it's um you find this out quite quickly and it's part of the whole storyline. Um, that she is this a descendant of these um slayers that are meant to protect people from spooky things. So it makes sense that she kind of just doesn't have this fear that other people do of um dark spooky woods. <laughs> It's just like, just do as you're told, like 100%, just just do as you're told. But it's so obvious that it's not going to happen. Well, if yeah. it did, there'd be no book. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be a bit of like mischief for the adventure to happen. I mean, I think that's the sort of the way it is with a lot of um, middle grade books anyway. There's you, sometimes you need the you need the people to put a toe out of line. Um, I've always been such a goody goody, so I could. I'm like the opposite to Maggie. I, I'm. <laughs> I never would go in those woods. <laughs> so you'd you'd stay out of the woods. You'd listen. Oh yeah, definitely. I think I think I would. Are you the Miles then, the more cautious? <laughs> yeah, I probably do relate more to him, and also I love books. So <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm definitely more of a Miles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. 
Again, quite early on, around page eight, Maggie remembers how her mum told her in the past she can't watch really scary films because she'll get nightmares. Did that come from personal experience? Has anything spooky ever given you nightmares? Yes, 100% that came from personal experience. I do not watch scary movies. I I think the the I, I have this distinct memory of watching these movies as a teenager on like sleepovers which actually Maggie it happens to Maggie as well so maybe this is very much more personal than I was like subconsciously writing this from my own personal experience (laughs) but I just remember like hiding behind my friends like just unable to watch these scary movies that they put on only because I wouldn't be able to sleep um but I don't know what can you guys watch watch scary movies is this is this (laughs) You're nodding. <laughs> You're fine with them. No. no. One scary movie freaked me out when I was a kid. Just one. And I had nightmares for about three months. And then I went to a theme park in America and they had a haunted house based around this movie. And I had nightmares as an adult. And then I watched it. Wouldn't let my boyfriend go to a toilet without me. Had to have all the lights on. And I was like, actually, the film's not that bad. So in hindsight. But that was one film once. Apart from that, I didn't have a problem. So you're absolutely fine with scary movies? Yep. Oh, wow. You're so brave. <laughs> you're a Maggie. No, I've walked I've walked out of the cinema. <gasps> what did you go see? It was Mirrors, and I walked out. When he saw her, when he's driving, there's a scene where he's driving, and he looks in the wing uh, rear view mirror, and he sees someone in the back seat. Nope. I got straight out of that cinema. <laughs> I got up, and I left, and I waited for my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> He stayed and finished the film, and I, <laughs> no. Oh, well, well done for going to see it in the first place. I wouldn't have even gone in. <laughs> it was my idea as well, which makes it worse. I mean, my current boyfriend is a complete worse. So. <laughs> I think you were right to walk out, though. No, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> so I have to bring up Mrs. Woods. I mean, what a delight that woman is. She is the teacher that I think we would all love. Even just like the way she deals with... How do you pronounce it? Ari? Ari? Um, it's Ari? Ari in my head, but I don't know. I it, it might be Ari, but in my head it's Ari. But yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a fun teacher to write. Actually, all the teachers were quite fun. Did you like Mr. Frank as well? Yeah. I did like Mr. Frank. I'm thinking of Mrs. Woods because she was the first teacher you met. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I just, I love her. Like, I would love to have a teacher like her. So she set the bar high for teachers at that school. (laughs) Yeah, she's, um, she's wonderful. I could really picture her as well, like straight away. Um, So she was a great, great teacher to write. Um, Very inspiring, very fun and firm. Um, And then Mr. Frank, I don't know whether um, you got this. Are you, are you Buffy fans? Did you ever watch Buffy? I did. Meant, I made a note about that later. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a sort of he's a Giles character, really. <laughs> I wasn't allowed. You weren't allowed to watch Buffy. Nope. My mum said it was blasphemous, so I've seen bits here and there, but I haven't seen like a lot of it. How have we never had this conversation? We don't. We only talk about monsters and spooky <laughs> things for the podcast. <laughs> That's true because you don't like them. <laughs> I think you can watch it now on Netflix. 
I want to say. I Oh, it's so good. But will it It is it's worth a watch. But but was it better at the time? Like if I'm watching it now, am I just gonna be like well, it's not that good because I'm 30, 30 odd. <laughs> That's a good question. I think, yeah, I've, it'd be interesting to watch it back now. I guess like it because CGI and everything has come on so much that I suppose watching it back now, it might be, it might feel very, very dated. But in terms of the storylines and the imagination, I mean, it's iconic. It's an iconic show. Um, I I ended up watching all of Angel as well. I had like the DVD box sets with the spin-off show as well, which I also loved. Um, so I'd say it's worth a watch. Dip your toe okay. in, see see I'll, how you feel. I have seen the musical episode, which is probably not the best example. <laughs> no, that's such a good episode. That's a brilliant episode. I love that one. <laughs> I would be like Willow, who has two lines and can't sing. <laughs> I also wasn't allowed to watch Biker Grove. Really? So it's Aww. not, it wasn't just Buffy. There was, there were a few things when I was growing up, but Buffy is, Buffy and Biker Grove are the ones that I remember the most. Ah, oh, well, you'll have to watch Buffy. I'm not sure Biker Grove would be worth a watch. <laughs> <laughs> so back, back to your book. When we first meet Ari <laughs> and Miles, Ari, she's making fun of Miles. She's teasing him a little bit. She's making a big fuss about Miles reading in a big way because he refuses to bend the spine. So what about you? Are you a spine bender or you were also one of these people? I've seen I've seen um, Insta, oh. Instagram bookstagrams of people explaining how to read without bending the spine. <laughs> I am not a spine bender. Like you can see. That's oh my near perfect. I am. I'm gonna upset you now because I am a spine bender and I Ooh. turn down the corners of pages. Oh no! Um, which I know really upsets a lot of people. And I, I have all these bookmarks, but I still, I just turn down the. I'm terrible. <laughs> Mine are very like well thumbed. <laughs> I noticed that, and I was like, no, I can relate to Miles with that. <laughs> I've let like I've let books to my aunt and they've come back and they're so bent and it's just like oh no. I mean I won't tell you about this. Oh, I'm so sorry. I am one of those people. That's why I like always feel bad. <laughs> At least when they're your own books, it's not so bad. Yeah. If if anyone lends me a book, I would be very careful because I do know that people are funny about it. But no, with my own books, I'm yeah. They're they're yeah. <laughs> The poor books book. are made to be loved. <laughs> they are, but no, <laughs> no. Even that one, it doesn't look. They don't look red. <laughs> it's beautiful. You've kept that very beautiful. <laughs> this might be obvious, but is Uncle Bram named after Bram Stoker? Yes, I did try and keep a lot of um, sort of Dracula references in there. Um, I think Maggie's surname, sort of Helsby, is <laughs> a little bit of a nod to it as well. Um, yeah, I did. You know, if you're going to write a vampire book, you have to kind of maybe give a nod or two to uh, to to Bram. Um, so yeah, I did name him <laughs> after after the author. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. 
it's nice when people pick up on stuff. Well, I was like also that. wondering in that case, is Maggie's relation Mina named after Mina Harker? Uh, yes. <laughs> Well done. Yay. It's so nice. Sometimes you like put these things in and then like they go so unnoticed. So um, oh, I'm so pleased you picked up on that. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun to work in that kind of inspiration um, because obviously, and I think in the second book, I, I, it, there's a lot more sort of Dracula influence, obviously with uh, the trip to Transylvania and stuff like that. So I sort of had a bit more fun with it in the second book as well. Yeah, it's nice to bring in things like that, little nuggets. Well, that leads me to my question. The story is set in Galway in Yorkshire. Is this based on Whitby? Yeah, it is a little bit, yeah. But, I mean, I sort of started it like that and then I'm I'm not sure I was particularly um, aligned to Whitby. But, yeah, it it certainly started... when When I started, like, plotting... Um, and noting down how I was, how this book was going to go, I did sort of start bringing in things like that just to give nods to all those different types of inspiration and, and Dracula sort of myth and legends. Um, so, yes, it did start that way, certainly. This is the point of the episode where we can lift the enchantments if you've read the book. So if you aren't afraid of spoilers, keep listening. If you are, then you better turn back now until you're fully armed with all the secrets of the book. Since we're in spoilers, it's safe to ask this now. Where did you get the idea for the vampire names? Because some of them are fantastic. Maggie meets Sharptooth and then we're introduced to various other ones. as like Maggot Head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I genuinely, um, I just came up with those all myself because I was just having the best time naming them. This is why I love writing middle grade is for reasons like this, you know, you can really have so much fun with the names. Yeah, the like Fangly and Dreadclaw and um, all the, <laughs> I was really just having, I was just trying to think of like spooky things um, and then just making them into ridiculous names. So, yeah, I I don't know how I came up with them. I was just having the best time. <laughs> I really enjoyed the little swap between Maggie and Sharptooth. I thought that was so lovely. And the fact that she picked Matilda as a book choice, that was so cute. It's like the best choice of book she could have given her. Oh, I'm so pleased you like that. That was actually really hard to pick, like, what book she would give her. At first, I don't know. What do you, do you think you would have picked something like Matilda as well? If you could give a vampire their first fiction book, <laughs> oh, it depends on the age of the vampire. But certainly for Sharptooth, it worked. It worked so well. I don't think there's a more perfect book out there actually for her. And she seemed Yay. thrilled when Maggie kind of explained what it was. Yeah, a celebration of books, really, isn't it, Matilda? And for someone who's a little bit of an outsider, which I think Sharptooth saw herself as. Absolutely. And for someone who's probably never given a gift before, what Sharptooth picked was so thoughtful. Yeah. Like, did you consider anything else before you settled on, like, a bit of the bedroom wall? I was... I, I'm just trying to think back now. I, th- I think that came to me quite quickly as the kind of perfect gift for... Maggie and something for Sharptooth to think about on the spot 
um, sort of giving this this piece of the building that she just so she could remember that she had been there. I mean, I I think at that stage they don't they don't necessarily know they're going to see each other again. So yeah, I think um, I wanted it to be something that she could think of on the spot that she wouldn't have prepped for, but that would be really meaningful. Um, so I think you know a bit of the castle. It just kind of came to me as something that if if I had found this like enchanted castle and I was never going to see it again, you'd want like a little piece of it. It's a bit like going to the moon, maybe, and <laughs> getting like little bits of the moon. <laughs> maybe that's how I got the idea. Or like shells from the beach or something. Yeah, just a sort of a, a little token to remember that you were there in that place at that time. What song do you think Maggie played to Sharptooth when she first played her music? We know it's a pop song and it's about sunshine. Can you give us any more hints? <laughs> I I actually don't know. It's, it's, so when I when I wrote that, um, I was very much thinking if it was me, it would be a Taylor Swift song. I don't know from which album, but. I I knew it had to be it had to be something uplifting you know I'm I'm terrible with music I'm I don't really listen to that much music if I'm honest um I'm really all about books but I certainly feel like if you were gonna play some uh young girl music for the first time um, it has to be something sort of uplifting, something summery. When you're when the sun is shining and you put on like a great uplifting pop song, it really does kind of lift your spirits. And that's really the effect I wanted. So I think at the time I was probably sort of listening to quite boppy music um, when I was thinking about that. Um, I, I think I did have one in mind, you know, but I cannot remember what it was. So I will leave that to whatever you would like it to be, um, whatever you'd like to imagine it is. But yeah, for, I think for me, it was some kind of sort of Taylor Swift, probably 22 or something like that. that just makes you like all happy and excited for the summer. <laughs> How did Maggie get full signal in the woods? Because I can't get full signal in parts of London. <laughs> sure how she did but she did she was obviously like in a really good spot um and she managed to get signal there <laughs> sometimes these things happen miracles happen but it's true I guess it's magic right <laughs> it is magic there is honestly it when you don't have signal though it's baffling now like when you when you isn't it so mad that we've sort of got to this stage like when I was driving to a wedding recently and it was out in the countryside and there was no signal for miles and I was I could not get over it I was like how do people live like this <laughs> so my favorite line of the whole book was on page 223 and it's where Maggie is talking about Count Bloodthirst and I mean he likes bird watching you can't be that evil if you like bird watching right she's sort of saying it to herself I thought that was hilarious <laughs> it's such a cute detail about him and it obviously becomes relevant in the second one as well, that he likes bird watching, but it's so cute. I'm so pleased you like that. Yeah, I I, I love adding little details like that, that um, 
I mean, with people, like people are so complex. And I think with characters, you want to make sure that they have all these layers as well. So I liked adding little funny details like that about him to make sure that it was obvious he's not this sort of big villain. <laughs> so Sharptooth is unique because she's a vegetarian vampire and she loves beetroot juice. Now, did she try other things and decided beetroot juice was the one or did she just happen to get beetroot juice and she liked it the first time? <laughs> I think she didn't try many other things, which is why when she tries ketchup, it's just completely amazing to her. Um, so yeah, I thought beetroot juice um, really came to me I think because <laughs> I think because I was having beetroot that day or something and I just thought oh this would be a fun thing to to put in <laughs> um and also doesn't sound as tempting as ketchup so yeah I think she just didn't really she has her eyes opened by uh, by Maggie all these other delicious uh, alternatives shall we say <laughs> I find ketchup quite gross. So the idea that she, and then later some of the other vampires just ate ketchup out of the bottle like that, I that grossed me out so much. And I think I'd have had less of an ick if they had actually drunk blood. Like it just, <laughs> like baked beans ick me out as well. It's the same sort of thing. Oh, I'm a huge ketchup fan. I have to say, I don't think I could drink it out of the bottle or anything, but um, I'm, I'm big on ketchup so yeah love <laughs> I wouldn't go that far I wouldn't drink it out the bottle definitely not and when I think it was Sainsbury's or Tesco's years ago did a well it might have been Heinz actually did a like a special where they colored them and I thought yeah that's really cool let's get one and then I got one and the idea of it made me just really queasy so by the time that we actually got it home to taste it I was like I don't want to taste it, even though it tastes the same, but it was green and it just really put me off massively. Oh, gross. I don't remember that. But no, I don't think I could handle a green ketchup. <laughs> it definitely seemed like Maggie and Sharptooth were meant to find each other. You know, neither seemed like likely people for their destiny of Slayer and Leader, but they mirror each other so well and they totally change the path of their kind and choose a different way. Yeah, I, you know, um, uh, I have to be care careful with spoilers here. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. They certainly do not fit the role that they are supposedly destined for. Um, but that's always really fun, I think, to write and also really fun to read in a book when it's someone sort of un unexpected um, or someone who's sort of choose. I get, maybe that's, you know, the importance of choice as well and not feeling like you are set on one path. Um, is very important to me anyway as a message to put in you know it's all about the decisions you make in life um, so yeah I wanted to make sure that they weren't very obvious to be a sort of vampire chosen leader <laughs> sharp tooth with her beetroot juice and and Maggie is certainly not an obvious slayer um, even though she is fearless she's also very sort of kind and caring um to vampires and to all monsters really which we see in the second book I had like major lols at Mayor Cauliflower as well he was just like the most rubbish villain <laughs> and seeing him get his cup up comeuppance 
was so satisfying and I kind of liked just how rubbish he actually was even like dropping himself in it like oh my own private golf course no wait what and yeah it was just brilliant he was so close <laughs> almost to getting what he wanted and maybe he still could have if he hadn't I dropped himself not. in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was a lot of fun to write I mean again you can tell I was just having so much fun with this book um it was such a pleasure to write it and um he was a very fun villain, um, very ridiculous, very set in his ways and narrow-minded. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, there are people out there like that. Um, so it was, it was a very, he was a very fun one to sort of write and 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 uh, yeah, bring him down, as it were. But I mean, he's still out there. I could bring him back, maybe. <laughs> That's one reason I love Mrs. Woods so much. When he, she just like was not interested in him and he was kind of like oh I've I've come I want to do this speech and she was just like oh god <laughs> I thought it was great and I love the fact that the book just didn't take itself too seriously either like it was it was just so na- it felt so naturally funny oh that's so nice like I, I do you know I really feel that's so important in life as well is um the ability not to take certain things too seriously and not to take yourself too seriously like certainly laughter is just so important to to get through things um and obviously when I was writing this and it was the first lockdown um we really all needed that kind of joy and and a bit of comedy to to lift the spirits so yeah I was determined that this book wouldn't take itself too seriously I actually don't think any of my books will really take themselves too seriously I love reading funny books, so I certainly want to continue writing. <laughs> I hope they're funny anyway. <laughs> well, as well as being funny, I really liked the message that getting to know people, embracing differences can really bring us all together. It's so important right now as well. So was that important for you to to have as the message of your book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, celebrating differences. It's it's a bit of a running theme in all of my books, actually. Um, and certainly, I think it's interesting that the age I tend to write um, as well, from a personal point of view, I change schools around that age, 12 or 13. And um, I found it really difficult to change schools at that point because um, the school I went to a lot of the there wasn't very many newcomers at my age that most people had already had been there from a lot younger and they all sort of already had their friendship groups so when I came in um it was quite difficult to make friends because everyone sort of had their friendship groups and it was very difficult and I found it really hard um which is why I tend to write this age I think is really stuck in my head and I remember just feeling like so different to everybody else, like such a sort of outsider. Um, And then when you have that sort of extension of friendship, when, you know, it's such a wonderful feeling when you finally make friends and find your place. And the fact that we are all different and it would be such a boring, boring world if we were all the same. Um, So it's really important, but it's also easy, you know, it's really easy to, um, for for people not to celebrate differences so when you're writing for children obviously that that is an important message to make sure 
that you know you you don't want to all be the same that's very boring you want to laugh at each other and and enjoy the sort of different talents that everybody has I guess the different hobbies and interests and that's a really lovely message I hope so anyway yeah I mean it's a very important message um certainly in, and it's always been there really in children's fiction um and middle grade fiction and and YA as well you know we're we're so lucky to have such an amazing variety of um YA authors and middle grade writers sort of bringing that important message home that you know I, I think a lot of authors and a lot of bookworms do tend to feel like an outsider a lot of the time or certainly have felt that way which is why we relate to certain characters um, so yes that was an important important message for me to bring in <laughs> a fantastically funny story of unlikely friendship Maggie Helsby may be descended from a long line of vampire slayers, but that won't stop her being friends with vegetarian vampire Sharptooth Shadow. While she's introducing Sharptooth to the delights of school, she gets to hang out at wonderfully creepy skeleton castle on the weekend, until the enchantments that keep the castle hidden start to mysteriously weaken, and a whole host of other, far less friendly, magical creatures arrive in town to cause trouble, along with a monster hunter determined to put a stop to anything supernatural and apart from Dracula do you have any vampire or monster pop culture or literature that you used for inspiration as mentioned before definitely Buffy um came into it like there's I think you can really see the um inspiration of Buffy in Maggie and sort of that that coolness of her character and also that vampires can be good uh, which they are, some of them are in Buffy. Um, so that was really my my main inspiration, I think. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely Buffy and Dracula for me were like the two main things. <laughs> I think everything about the Vampire Slayer Survival Guide is just going to be spoilers, to be honest. <laughs> so for anyone listening, if you have not read the book, there are there are going to be spoilers. I really enjoyed how we encounter so many different kinds of supernatural creatures in the sequel. So in the first one, you kind of set up this world and we know there are vampires and we know there are witches. But in this one, you bring in so many more kinds of supernatural creatures. How did you decide what you wanted to actually physically include? Because you reference like mummies, but mummies aren't physically in the book, but you have so many different supernatural creatures that are. Yeah, I mean, again, I really did have so much fun writing this and just bringing all of these monsters in. I remember actually sitting there and and brainstorming with my editor which monsters I'd like to include um, and sort of bring in certainly into those last scenes when you see them all there in the woods. But also that chapter of um, (laughs) when things start going wrong in Galway. I just I, I just sort of thought about which monsters could cause the most chaos, I guess. Um, and things like big, so big monsters like trolls, like that was really fun to bring in. Um, ghosts, obviously, because of all the mischief that they can cause. Um, 
so yeah I really just it was more me thinking right what can I write that's so much fun here um and I just really had a good time with it to be honest I thought it was so nice how I'm not sure how you would pronounce his name Marek yeah Marek Marek that he I loved how he became friends with Ari Miles and Maggie especially since Maggie can understand how difficult it is to make friends because she had problems at her old school and the fact she suspected he was a werewolf and she's like no I'm gonna just leave it for now give him the benefit of the doubt and just see what happens that's so nice of her to actually do that and not just be instantly judgmental yeah I to be honest I actually had to really think about how I was gonna um write that because I do think um, Maggie being because we know her at this stage and we know that she's sort of come up um, against these supernatural creatures and she has learned that um, there is more to them than meets the eye um, but at the same time she is obviously very protective of the vampire community um, and has sort of made that decision by then that she's not just going to protect the humans of Galway she is going to protect the vampires of Galway as well so I had to be careful writing that to make sure I got that right balance of the fact that she didn't want to uh, jump to any conclusions and and really sort of go up against Marek too early on but at the same time she had to be cautious of him she had to be wary of of what he what his intentions were and what his motivations were and what why his family had suddenly moved there and what they were up to um but yeah, I mean, that's a lovely side to Maggie, really, is that she is very accepting and does give people the benefit of the doubt before jumping to any conclusions, I guess. How hard do you think it must have been for people who had encounters with the ogres and the ghosts and they, maybe they saw zombies to convince themselves that they didn't, that they actually <laughs> hadn't seen that? Do you know, I don't think it is that hard. I don't think it is that hard. It's so when you write stuff like this sometimes it really makes you think of like what would I do in this situation and I honestly think there's a lot of people and this happens in the first book as well with the adults and um when they think they've seen the vampires at the end and and what happens there but I think it I think we have an extraordinary ability to convince ourselves that something isn't freaky um we sort of comfort ourselves with it certainly as grown-ups you know maybe when we're kids we're a little bit we believe in a bit more but um I think certainly as grown-ups it's, it's it's actually quite easy to do I mean if you thought you saw a zombie um like playing on a swing you would immediately <laughs> think you would just be like oh that's someone in dress up like you would never think it was an actual zombie um, so it was actually quite easy to obviously things with like the ogre and stuff like that is a little bit more um, harder to but maybe you, you would be like oh have I eaten anything strange today or like is this my mind playing games with me so yeah I think it's a lot easier than we think on page 106 Maggie meets a monster hunter Oscar and his son Maggie tries to convince the son Chase that he'd have much more fun spending time with his friends and Chase tells her sometimes he doesn't have a choice. And I do feel like this did sort of echo Maggie's sentiments about needing to help all of the supernatural beings. She feels that she doesn't have a choice. She kind of takes that burden upon herself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she kind of 
realize that when she's saying to Chase, or you have like implying that he has a choice, that she actually does have a choice too. But I guess she does have a choice and she's made it. Yeah, I think um, that's that's really lovely that you've picked up on that. I, you know, um, we do all sort of have these choices and to make, and that really forms who we are, I think. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, Chase for me is a really lovely character. Um, I would actually, I'd love to explore him a bit more because I feel, you really feel for Chase um, and what he's sort of gone through to get to this stage where he feels like he doesn't have a choice because he's supporting his dad and his dad's obsession, but because they've, you know, gone through a personal tragedy as well. Um, and he just wants to be there for him. So yeah, it's 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 kind of a lovely moment where you sort of see um, uh, some layers to chase. And you know, again, this sort of idea that people are very complex and not to jump to conclusions on them. Um, but yeah, I think Mag Maggie has certainly realized by this point that um, the choices she makes have a lot of consequences and it's a lot of responsibility on um, <laughs> on the head of someone so young. And I think she's sort of saying that to Chase as well, that um, he is also obviously full of responsibility um, with his dad and what they've been through. And he doesn't, you know, he does have a choice to make which you know, by the end he uh, well yeah he make he makes his choice so uh, we see we see his true character coming out there which is I need to touch on Mr Frank again because bless Mr Frank uh, the moment when he kind of tells her who he is is very very cute and <laughs> I always quite liked their relationship anyway and I couldn't work out why he'd been so evasive when she asked questions about the supernatural he'd always been a bit like oh it's not real and but then finally it comes out who he actually is and he is he is her Giles yeah I I mean I loved writing that I loved writing that because Giles is such a great character in Buffy he's I love the idea of a guide actually in my um teen witch books as well um I really enjoyed the idea of familiars and like each witch having a familiar to sort of guide them in their magic. And I think Giles is is kind of that for Maggie where he's sort of able to start guiding her in her um, adventures. And she kind of needs one, like she is so young, you know, and she has these amazing friends, which is great. Um, but it's nice to have this sort of leading light um, in her in her presence so yeah he was um he that was really fun to write that was I, I I'm I really enjoyed writing that sort of mysterious side to him where you weren't sure what he was going to be and what was going on with him um and then bringing that that sort of side plot into play um so yeah he was great <laughs> can you touch on the familiars here as well because the witches have familiars and then all of the vampires have bats and then Maggie gets a bat as well and again we're not quite sure why all of a sudden she does but then <laughs> we find out this bat has attached themselves to her yeah the bats I loved the bats um what did you think of the names for the bats did you enjoy 
and that was one them. yeah there was one I liked in particular who I'm who we're going to touch on in a minute <laughs> yeah I, I think um I started writing the bats and then realized that I really wanted a bat so I had to bring one in for Maggie um and of course you find out why uh, but yeah, the bat the bats are so fun. Their little characters are great. <laughs> I just want to tickle one of their little fluffy bellies. <laughs> yeah, me too. I actually love bats. I really love bats. So it was nice to be able to celebrate them in this book as an animal. <laughs> There's a scene in the book where the vampires decide to play five aside against the humans. And they they agree to play at human speed and <laughs> not um, not overpower the game, which was quite funny. But what made you pick five aside as a sport that they'd play together? <laughs> I don't really know. You know, I think because um, I think because it worked for the plot. You know, with Miles being. Um, Obviously, Miles is very much into his books and everything like that, but he's also very sporty. Um, and he you do see his sort of love of football um, coming out. So I thought it kind of made sense to for it to be something that he's very good at and very proud of being very good at. Um, so that would be the game that he would want to challenge, that they would want. And they're learning about all this human stuff as well and having such fun with it. Um, and I think I could sort of I could just picture that scene you know these vampires in their like football kits like wearing them completely wrong and just getting really excited about like beating the humans um, and having to run so slow I think I just could envision the scene straight away so that's how it came to me (laughs) I got some Twilight vibes from it a little bit as well like when the vampires in Twilight go and play baseball and Bella goes to watch Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is a great scene in Twilight, is a great scene. (laughs) But it also reminded me of, this is the history buff in me coming out now, when the English and the Germans stopped attacking each other in World War I, and they have that moment of peace in the trenches and they play football, because obviously then you have... Christmas Day, wasn't it? Yeah, Christmas Day. And then obviously you have two werewolves come in, and there'd always been tension between werewolves vampires and humans and they the vampires let the werewolves play with them and it's just this nice moment of peace and so I sort of I liked it on a whole variety of levels oh yeah you know sport is a great leveler um it's kind (laughs) it is kind of lovely you know certain rivalries but like friendly rivalries um and I, I love that about sport when you're watching it and you really get behind a team. Um, but also that it's lovely when opponents are so lovely to each other. You know, that's one thing I love about tennis is they all seem to be really good friends, <laughs> all the tennis players. Um, so, yeah, that was it was an, a nice scene to be able to write. And again, that kind of whole thing of celebrating differences and getting over differences and and what makes us different and different backgrounds or whatever you know none of that is important on a sports pitch um so yeah it was that's a that's a lovely way of seeing it that sort of moment of peace between the between all of the different monsters (laughs) and I really liked the bat the sassy bat that didn't care for the humans or the vampires or the werewolves just over it (laughs) 
he was yeah he's I think he might be my favorite bat um you can <laughs> I loved that he was like this really grumpy ref um who you just knew wouldn't wouldn't be like give any favoritism to anybody because he hates he hates them all <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite name backgrouch as soon as it's like backgrouch like yes <laughs> like he was a he was the MVP for me I think <laughs> yeah I mean again like the names because when I wrote that is in the first book um that was 100 percent inspired by my dog who has these ginormous ears um and so I always used to you know he's a battered dog as I always used to say giant batters um so when I wrote the character as like a sort of companion I thought you know my dog certainly inspires me as a companion so batters and then when Maggie got a bat I wanted to like keep that running theme of bat head and then yeah bat grouch <laughs> So we have the woods and they have enchantments on them to keep the humans out and keep the humans safe from the vampires and the vampires safe from the humans. And obviously in the second book, they're weakened. Do you think that Maggie might have considered the consequences of just putting the enchantment back? Had she not spoken to Marek and have him tell her why him and his family had gone there? I don't know if I'm honest with you, I, I think she would, I mean, she was, she's certainly torn about that decision, you know, she's really, really torn about that decision, but she also feels like what we're mentioning before about that sort of real heavy responsibility um, on her shoulders, and she has to keep that community safe, she knows she has to, um, and she can't really see any other way, and I think Marek's conversation with her, um, makes her feel so awful um, about what she feels like she has to do and um, but she also kind of feels trapped into making this decision that's best for the vampire community um, but yeah I think I think she I think I think he obviously sort of nudges her he's certainly the catalyst to make her try and work out a different way whatever that way may be um, and yeah he he certainly makes her think twice about it and to get these enchantments back on she has to go and find a ring so they change their school trip from Rome to Transylvania and they learn from a witch Elena that the Count Dracula's ring is in the castle to get to the ring they have to go through a series of challenges what was the inspiration because I'm not gonna lie I got Harry Potter vibes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess um, I, I guess that might be all manners of inspiration coming into play there. In the original draft, they just got the ring. There was um, this is how different how it shows how different first drafts are to the final draft. Uh, when I first wrote it, they just got the ring and there was no challenges or tasks, um, and it really felt like something was missing. Mm -hmm. And again, shout out to editors who are the dream. Um, because my editor was like that it feels you know you, you it feels too easy it's too easy um, and it was so that's why I decided to bring in all those challenges um, but I really had to think about what those challenges were going to be that was quite a difficult chapter to write a couple of chapters to write and one thing I did love after everything happened is that 
Maggie's parents started being dentists for the supernatural and her mum wants to run for mayor which she'd totally boss she would be brilliant at <laughs> was that how fun was that to make them the dentists for the supernatural for you <laughs> oh I really that was so it was just another you know again another way of bringing in some comedy and fun having parents who are dentists and a kind of lovely way of bringing her parents into the whole thing because her parents are very much involved as well in both books um with the vampire community in the end and I kind of love the idea of them like giving the vampires <laughs> and their songs <laughs> little checkups um so that yeah that really tickled me so yeah I like the idea of uh, of them then becoming dentists for all these supernatural creatures because of course they do need you know dental care and they don't <laughs> like toothpaste <laughs> And they, yeah, that again, see now that was really fun. You know, the mint to them is disgusting and all they want is like ketchup flavoured toothpaste, which is very <laughs> One vibe I got from the end of the book where there's kind of peace and harmony with all the monsters and everything was really safe was sort of some Hotel Transylvania vibes and how <laughs> they have this place that they can sort of go. And I got that in like, I love that film. So in the best possible way, I got that from from the woods at the end yeah I'm, I mean I, I get that a lot I haven't actually watched those movies which is terrible because I should because it seems like um, they're a very similar vibe um, but yeah I, I mean I again I really love that about Skeleton Castle sort of being this kind of safe place and, and the woods not being what you'd expect they may look spooky and seem spooky but in the end they they welcome everybody there. So it's kind of lovely. Well, thank you so much for helping us get our spook on for Halloween. One thank quick you question. You're so welcome. So one quick question we have for you. If you were going to be some kind of supernatural investigator, which <laughs> fictional character would be your Mr. Frank? You have to pick someone fictional. Ah, that's such a good question. Um, oh my goodness. So, okay, my my guide in life. Okay, can I pick Giles? Is that so? Is that way too obvious? You can pick Giles. You can pick whoever you want. I think I would pick Giles from Buffy just because he is so knowledgeable. He's and he's always in the library, <laughs> which you know I can relate to um so I feel like I would I feel like I would trust him to guide me who would you pick I think probably Giles I'm gonna cop out and say Giles yeah I don't know I don't have an answer for that yet I'd have to think about it it's far too big it's far too big a decision just to say off the top of your head watch Buffy and you'll say Giles <laughs> yeah you will and will we see more of Maggie and Sharptooth in the future? I hope so. I really, really hope so. I um, have become a little bit distracted by another idea, which is always the way um, I get very distracted by and by different ideas that I have. Um, but I really hope that we will return to Maggie's world. You'll have to see. <laughs> Where can people find you online? 
Um, so on Instagram and Twitter, I'm um, at Katie Birchall or at Katie Birchall Author. Um, and my website is katievirtualauthor.com. Nice and easy. <laughs> we'll put those in the episode description so people can find you. Thank you. Thanks for getting your spook on with us today. Thanks for getting your spook on with us today. And again, special thanks to Katie. Follow us on Instagram at Find the Podcasts. Come and say hi. We don't bite. And if you like what we're doing, please rate us and subscribe. Also, check out our website at www.demythpod.co.uk. I've been Charlotte, she's been Lauren, and today we've been turning pages with Katie Birchall. Keep it spooky.